Hey, everybody, welcome to the You Are Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary, we are in the Church of Ireland right now. Talk about transformation. Big day today for soon-to-be Father Mark Moriarty, huh? Yeah, in just a few hours, we're going to be walking over to the to the Killarney Cathedral where there hasn't been an ordination in that cathedral in 27 years. This is unbelievable. The, Mark wasn't even alive the last time there was a priest ordained for this diocese in that cathedral. I think he's the first priest ordained in five years anywhere in the diocese, but... 27 years 27. in that cathedral, holy cow. And this is big news here. It is big news. I think it was in the Killarney News. Uh, we, we went out to dinner last night with uh, Deacon Mark and a priest friend of his who's over from England. And um, it, it was like the whole town as we walked in, like everybody knows him. Yeah. Hey, right? Deacon Pray, Mark, how praying you Praying for you, so excited. And my thought was, as I was, as we were having dinner, is I hope that cathedral is packed. Yeah tomorrow. Uh, so that will be a source of encouragement for our brother as he steps into his priesthood. So please pray for him. We hope to bring uh, Father Mark on a conversation um, in maybe a couple weeks when we're when we're uh, back home. I love that. And uh, get a feel for how he's doing and just to share some of the graces from today. Can't wait to hear uh, what the Lord's going to be doing in him. And uh, let's pray for revival here in the country of Ireland. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Speaking and, of revival, what's the topic that we're going to dive into today. Yeah, so we're going to, so the topic of our, of our conversation today is the real house of prayer. That would be us, by mm-hmm. the way, and I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. I'm in daily need of revival. So well, let's, pray. Let, let's pray. In the name of yeah. the Father, the Son, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Father, we just thank you uh, first and foremost for the gracious gift of life, uh, for the wonderful gift of faith. Lord, we thank you for now Father Mark Moriarty. Uh, We ask your blessing on him, upon the people of Ireland, upon the church here in Ireland. We pray for healing in this country, transformation, revival, renewal. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon uh, Mary and myself right now, that we would uh, break open your word in such a way that it gives inspiration and hope uh, to us and to all those who are listening to us. Continue to transform us, renew us, and use us despite our imperfections and flaws and selfishness, uh, to draw others to you who alone can satisfy all of our desires. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the, the Father, Father and Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, Father, before we jump in, yeah. um, we have a special anniversary coming up in X29. We do. It's the one-year anniversary, a year from uh, actually be August 20th, I guess, of the launch of the Rescue Project. Can you believe so it? So we're just uh, gracious to as all get out to God for what he's allowed us to see in creating us uh, or in creating this uh, tool that we've made available. If you're brand new to the podcast, please go to rescueproject.us and you can find all about this, find out all about this video experience that we've created, which is entirely free. And if you're interested in launching this, this is the time of year, especially in parish life or maybe as we're coming back from vacations where we're thinking about what we're going to do in the fall. If you're, if you're thinking of running this either in your home or in a parish and you want more info, please don't hesitate to reach out yeah. to us here at Acts 29. Yeah, we would love to walk with you as you, as you bring it uh, to, to wherever God is calling you to bring it. And um, we also have uh, another little announcement. Uh, Father John, you have a new book coming out. Booklet. It's a booklet. So that, that, that should entice us because uh, oftentimes uh, we're not into like 
thick, thick books, books, right? So this is this is a short book, but it's a but it's a book filled with um, great hope. And the title is "Unshakable Hope in the Midst of the Storm." And we we talk often in Acts twenty nine and our conversations here on podcast um, about the storms that we're enduring, uh, both in the world, uh, in the church, mm. um, in our country, in our homes. And I can't think of a more timely booklet. Uh, to encourage folks to pick up and and to share and to be encouraged and to have unshakable confidence in Jesus, who is the source of uh, this hope. And so we would just encourage you all to visit Word Among Us. Uh, that's where you'll be able to find uh, the book. And you can just type into your browser, wau.org, and then we'll soon have that available in our media menu on our own website. So those are the two plugs yep. we want I think it'll be available on other book outlets yep. as well. Any yep. place you buy your books, yep. you should find it there as well. Okay, so, so let's so, let's dive into – I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think it's going to expose um, a reality for many of us, both priests and lay, and the reality would be something like this. The Old Testament is tough, and I think a lot of us just don't get it. And because we don't get it, we don't read it, and it – you know, like the – the, the first reading at Mass is oftentimes, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I have no idea what that's talking about. Let's move on to the gospel or something that seems to be more readily understandable. But this this should be fun, I, I think, uh, just to help us understand how to read the Old Testament, maybe make a couple of observations and, yeah. uh, and a very practical application of this word that God's giving to us this coming Sunday for our daily lives. So can I ask you to Yeah, I'd love to, Father John. Yeah, so this comes from uh, Isaiah 56. And here's what we read. Thus says the Lord, observe what is right, do what is just. For my salvation is about to come, my justice about to be revealed. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, ministering to him, loving the name of the Lord and becoming his servants, all who keep the Sabbath free from profanation and hold to my covenant, them I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. So I'm picturing as you're reading that, sitting in a presider's chair at Mass on Sunday, looking out at the faces of the congregation, that reading ends, you're the lector, you know, the word of the Lord, everybody goes, thanks be to God. And in my mind, I'm thinking, they're going, thanks be to God, that's over. I have no idea what that's about. I don't have any idea how it's going to apply to my life. And it's probably irrelevant. When in fact, uh, it's spectacularly relevant. We just got to do a little work. And I think, Father John, what you just said, I think that's the key. We have to do a little work. And that means we have to carve out time to pray into like the historical context. We talked about that last week in a conversation. It requires something of us. But for those of uh, those of us, our, our friends who like to pray with Scripture uh, in advance of Mass, like I'm reading that and I'm thinking, uh, I don't understand much of this. I'm going to pick out like one thing hmm. that resonates with me spiritually because— it's going to require that I go back, again, to your point last week, like looking at those missing verses, finding out about who Isaiah is. But sometimes we just remove that from, re- remove that and go, that's not really speaking to me right now. And we're left with something a little less 
than than what might God might be wanting to give us. Does that make sense? Am I saying yeah. that clearly enough? Yeah. So there's two senses to Scripture. Uh, most, you know, basically, there's a literal sense and a spiritual sense. So whenever we read the Word of God, we want to try to do whatever work we're able to do. And there's so many resources online that it doesn't take that much. You don't have to spend any money. So the literal sense would be what is actually being said. Like, who's Isaiah? Who's he writing to? What's the historical situation? Uh, What is this about? And then there's a spiritual sense, which flows from the literal sense. And now you're just simply asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? So the, the literal sense, Isaiah's writing in the 8th century B.C. He's, he's writing to people who, um, it's actually spanning a large amount of time. The, the composition of Isaiah is a little bit too complex to get into right now. This isn't an academic podcast, so we, we'll leave that to others to do at another time. But um, Isaiah, at this part of his book, this is a long book. It's 66 chapters and Isaiah's focusing now, there's a prophetic, a series of prophetic words coming about a new temple, uh, a new Jerusalem, and a new creation. And this passage is talking about a new temple. So remember, the temple, there's only one temple in Jerusalem, right? The temple is the place of encounter between God and man, God and humanity. And in the in the Jewish temple, it's a series of demarcations. So there's increasingly limited access to God. So there's a court of the Gentiles, there's a court of uh, Israel, there's a court of the men of Israel, there's a court of priests, and then one guy once a year gets access to God on the Day of Atonement with a rope around his waist when he walks into the Holy of Holies and makes uh, sacrifice there. God's saying through Isaiah right now that there's going to be a new temple, there's going to be new priests, and among these new priests are going to be foreigners. This is unheard of mm-hmm. and unimaginable to the Jewish people at the time. But God's God's telling us that in this new temple, whatever it is, and it's not understandable yet what it is, we'll talk about that in a moment, not one race is going to have access to God, and certainly not one man, but somehow all people are going to have access to God. Mm. And so... You know, what this is talking about ultimately is Jesus is the real temple. He's the fulfillment of the temple because he's the place of encounter between God and humanity. To see Jesus, to meet Jesus, to know Jesus is to encounter God. And it's not going to be a building. It's a person, right? And you and I, I think, as we were praying for this, or with this passage, we both zeroed in on that same line, which is where the title of the episode comes from, the real house of prayer. So those last words, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. This is what God says. Now, here's the thing. This is the key. Hopefully, people say, you know, that first sounds familiar. I've heard that before. Where does it come from? It comes from Matthew. I think it's the 21st chapter of Matthew. Because as Jesus entered the temple, remember, he drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned uh, the money changers' tables, uh, the money changers' tables. And he said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Right. So this is, this is so remember the cleansing of the temple, right? It happens very early in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It happens right before Jesus' uh, trial and condemnation and execution. This is, by all accounts, the action of Jesus, which leads Mm -hmm. to his going to the cross, 
right? When, when he's in trial, they, they can't get anybody to agree on what he said. They're trying to find people to bear witness against him. The only thing they can remember is these words that he said, mm-hmm. destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. And he's talking about his body, right? right? So what, what strikes me is that word house of prayer. So there, there's three temples, if you will. There's the building. There's Jesus. But then there's you and me. Because I'm a temple. Right. Paul, Paul shares that, right? Yeah, First how does Paul put it? He says, that, he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And he goes on to say, you are not your own, for you have been bought at a price, and what a price. And then that last closing line, he says, therefore, glorify God in your body. In other words, glorify God in your temple, this house, where he dwells. Yeah, so just let's just wherever you are right now, just linger with us for a second. This is an extraordinary passage. Do you not know that your body, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Meaning what? Meaning God lives in you. And oh, by the way, not just in you, but in every other person, in a unique way in those who are baptized, but because everybody's made in the image and likeness of God. You can say it about everybody, but in a unique way for those who are baptized. So this means the human person has unimaginable dignity, mm. worth, value, esteem. So just let that there's, – there's a whole bunch of people listening right now who are tempted to think, I'm not worth anything. That's a lie from hell. God lives in you more than in any building, and he loves to live in you. And then Paul goes on to say, you are not your own. You have been purchased and purchased by the blood of Jesus who was poured out on the cross. Again, just trying to drive home to us how much you are worth. God thinks you're worth spilling his blood for. Therefore, Paul says, because all these things are true, glorify God in your body. So let's go back to let's go back to Isaiah. This whole house of prayer idea. And this is, I don't know about you, where the Lord was taking you in prayer, but this is where he was taking me. So I am a temple. I'm thinking of Jesus quoting this passage from Isaiah when he cleanses the temple. And every time I read that passage, and again today as I read this passage. I see the Lord with that cord of whips in his hands. Not out of anger, uh, out of love, like walking through my mind and through my will and through my desires and through my imagination. And just like he did in Jerusalem that real day when he drove out everything that did not belong so that the temple could be what it was truly supposed to be, a house of prayer, so the Lord wants to Uh, in his kindness and his love, walk through me and drive out everything that does not belong. And so, like, I find myself just asking myself, what's in me? Like, if you were to walk into a church and see something, you know, graffiti on the wall or, you know, some inappropriate whatever lying on on a pew, you'd you'd be shocked and, and, and saddened. Well, then think about, you know, yourself, your mind, your imagination, What's, what's quote-unquote, lying there, written on the walls in our minds that don't belong there, that the Lord wants to remove 
so that I can be that true house of prayer. Is that, does that resonate? Oh my with gosh, you? Father John! And I remember praying with this passage in, um, or that particular line in uh, Matthew when I was going through the spiritual exercises many many years ago. And uh, even as you're talking, I'm, uh, I see the Lord in my mind's eye with a broom. <laughs> and and he's, he's almost like he's in a, a central foyer in, my, in this house, in my heart. And it's uh, a lot of doors uh, are closed. And he's just in the foyer and he's brooming. And he's just gently cleaning all the dust that needs to be removed from my heart, but he's waiting for me to open up each and every one of those doors to clean out very gently, very mercifully, very lovingly with a heart, with his heart, not to rebuke, but to purify Hmm. this house so he can come in and fill it and dwell therein. So it's just this gentle brooming, but he wants permission to open the door of my idols, to open that door of my attachments, to open that door of habits of speech, to open that door through habits of thinking. Where does my mind need to be renewed? To open up that door to all of those things that he wants to purify and make holy and to fill them with his glory so that the spirit has full reign of every facet of my life, heart, mind, body, and soul, spiritual, emotional, um, physical. He wants, I'm I'm just thinking about um, as we prepare a home for a guest who's coming to your house, you know, for dinner, what do we do? We clean up our houses. We want them to be beautiful. We want that guest to come in and to feel warm and welcome, like like um, I'm ready for you, and that's what I'm thinking right now. Like, am I ready for the guest of my soul to come in and to enter into every room, and to dwell with me there, and to speak with me, and to cleanse me and make me holy? And and you know, Father, I, even as I'm maybe a little bit of a pivot, didn't C.S. Lewis have a line where he talked about? Um, the people that you encounter is something like the most outside the blessed sacrament is the holiest. Yeah, outside the blessed sacrament, the holiest object ever presented to your senses is another human being. And to the degree that, 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 that we really hear that, like that's what I want to present to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, I think those are right. the two things to take yeah. away, yeah. right? I, I love the the line from Lewis. I love the reminder that, not just I'm a temple, but every person's yeah. made in the image and likeness of God. And just a, a challenge to all of us living in a in a culture which is so prone to objectify people uh, in every way imaginable. You know, just to ask the Lord to help us to see family members, friends, co-workers, people we struggle with, um, people we might be tempted to objectify, however, help us to see them as they really are. You know, that that's that's someone in whom God dwells, who he thinks is worth pouring out his blood for. And then, you know, maybe, how about we end with this? I I love what you were just saying of seeing the Lord standing outside the foyer. And I'm thinking of that famous painting of Jesus standing outside a door knocking. Mm. 
which I'm yes. sure many people have seen. It's it's somewhere in England. I forget where, but um, the idea that's often noted is that the door has no doorknob on the outside. It can only be opened from within. And that's what Jesus is doing right now in my life and yours and every one of us listening. He's just ever so gently knocking, asking if he can come in. And he wants to, to tidy up the house that is my mind and my heart and my will and my desires, my imagination, my patterns of speech. And, and to remove, again, as you just so beautifully said, with great gentleness and compassion, all those things that I know don't belong there and that he wants to uh, sweep clean so that I can be a fit dwelling place for him. Not simply, not or I should say, not only so that he can be glorified, but also so that I can be the man that he made me to be and that I want to be and that you can be the woman that he made you to be and that you want to be. Like, we all know what shouldn't be in our minds or in our lives. And the Lord in his kindness wants to come and to by the power of his Holy Spirit, make us to be true houses of prayer. Mm. Beautiful. So because God is the one who's going to do this, and God is a, a gentle God and a mighty God and a merciful God and a compassionate God, and he's got that broom in his hand right now standing outside my mind and yours, no matter how daunting it might seem with what it is he's got to get out of the house, do not be afraid. The God who's going to do this is a good father and a merciful savior and a wonderful counselor. And you were born for this. 